from the desk below. Let me hit record and we let. Hi. Welcome back from the desk below. I have with me a legend, the very first gold and platinum selling artist to ever, ever appear on the show. I just want to say that again. To ever appear on the show, I have the one, the only, Keith Murray. Hey, what's up? What's going on, baby? Right, peace, peace, Ken. I just want to let you know you're the first gold and platinum selling guest to ever appear on the show. Oh, word. That's nice because you caught me at a time where I'm uh, fluctuating the universe and I'm going through my uh, emails and I saw your email and I contacted you to see what you was about and you explained to me what your demographics are and your subscribers are and how we can both help each other continue to... Uh, Well, you made more money off hip-hop than me, Mr. Mary. I just do it for the love of the culture. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, you're helping me make money right now and get the word out about me and your demographic so I don't have to have my own radio station where you're at. Have you ever thought about getting, in, have you ever thought about getting into radio, Mr. Mary? I've always been asked to do a radio-hosted show since, like, 1998. But I would travel the country and the world doing radio. But every time I had went to the people who were my caregivers, we decided that we were going to hold off, do our project, and then get back to that. But then it never came up again over and over. But I'm looking to do radio now. And once I open up shop, I want to be the best. I don't want to have a mediocre show where I can't dedicate my time with. But yes, I do want to do a radio show. You know, I want to retire rap to do a show. <laughs> and that's the best way to do it, too, because you can actually give the most amazing interviews that people wouldn't even know. Like, you can probably interview somebody like, I don't know, let's say, like, like Redman, and you could ask him shit that nobody else would know. Yeah, it's all in the questions, right? Yes, sir. Um, so, Mr. Murray, is it true that Stevie Wonder is your favorite artist? Well, yes, he's one of my favorites. Bob Marley is my favorite artist. Oh, wow. I never would have suspected that. But you actually met Stevie Wonder, and he actually knew who Keith Murray was, because his caretaker was like, yo, that's Keith Murray. Yeah. How'd you know that? Oh, you been surprised? <laughs> you know, he actually had to tell him, he's like, yo, that's Keith Murray, and Stevie Wonder's like, the most beautiful fan in this world. 
Um, I've been a fan of you for a long time, Mary, so I pay attention to you. I actually have the Death Squad CD in my hands. That's what's up. Word. Stevie Wonder know me. He can't even see. So I don't know what the fuck when I hear about me. <laughs> um, what Word, did you... Word, that's a genius. He's like number two. Um, what did you say to him? It's like Bob Marley, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. But Stevie Wonder Michael Jackson is a toss-up. Oh. You got Curtis Mayfield. Oh, wow. You're pulling out the legends. Prince. You got George Clinton. My Uncle George. Um, George Clinton is my uncle. Like the one who collaborated with Tupac on Can't See Me, right? Who, George Clinton? Yes, sir. People? Uh, yes. Yes. Collaborate with Tupac? You don't know who George Clinton is? Um, to be honest, sir, I mostly listen to hip-hop. Like, I don't even listen to rock. Get out of here. You don't know who P-Funk, George Clinton, P-Funk, that Like, I heard of George Clinton before when he collaborates with hip-hop artists, sir, but I never actually, like, straight up listened no, to an he album. he came from him. He's one of the most sampled bands and artists in the world of hip-hop. George Clinton, P. Funkadelic. Are you crazy? The mother shit has landed. I'm going to be straight up, Mr. Murray. I only ever heard of... Who both was his mother? No, sir. I only I only ever heard um his collaborations when he collaborates with other artists like Ice Cube and Tupac. How old are you? I'm 28. But 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 see, this is the beauty about it too, because people my age, they don't even know who Black Moon is, and I have to like literally. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. You said to me earlier that somebody introduced somebody to who? Buckshot. Who Buckshot Shorty. Yes, sir. Black you Moon Duck Down. You said you said you wanted to slap them. Yes, I did. I did. Well, I want to devil slap your ass for not knowing Uncle George and Pete Funk. Your listener is going to tell you that. <laughs> your mind going to get blown right now. When you hang up, you're going to pull up George Clinton, and your mind going to get blown. You know, <laughs> I actually saved that on my notes to pull it up after this interview, so I bet you it will. Oh, great body thinking like Um. So, Mr. Murray, too, um, is it also very true that when you were coming up in the game, too, did K-Solo really bring you to Eric Sherman's house? Yes, he did. And, um, you know the history behind me. I'm from Central Ice of Long Island by way of Roosevelt, Long Island, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. So, I was born in Nassau, I was moved to something, and my family was in Brooklyn. So, K-Solo is from Central Ice of Long Island. He's a couple of years older than me. He used to battle this guy named Heat at the high school. And my friend Wink was fr was his cousins with Eric Sherman, one of my best friends. And he knew Solo. So we would be on the Carton Avenue selling drugs. We ran up on Solo, spitting rhymes. In the store, he was like, yo, Keith, you're going to be famous and paid because you got stories. And then I heard Eric Sherman's mother... Eric's from Brentwood, Long Island. I'm from Central Iceland. His mother moved to the back of Central Iceland. So I said, yo, Solo, take me to E-House. He said, I right, meet me on Lowell Avenue 
at 5 o'clock. I went on low, drove down the block. I had this gray Montero with the with a sign on the back, the wheel, the wheel on the back said Urban Gorilla. It was gray, it was dirty. I was driving down low, I saw Solo talking to a girl. I don't know if it was Renee, but nah, it wasn't Renee. I don't know. But <laughs> he was talking to a girl, so I turned around and went there, and then I followed him to Eric House. And then he knocked on the door, he eventually came to the door, and then he introduced me to E. Um, is it really true that you have an unreleased video with Cool G Rap and Big Taddy Kane, Keith Murray? What? Is it really true that you have an unreleased Cool G Rap and Big Daddy Kane video with you, sir? Well, my uncle born, true, God bless the dead, he's from East New York, Crown Heights, Brooklyn. He's the bodyguard for Big Daddy Kane. So, I started writing rhymes at 12 years old. Eventually, when I was 15, turning 16, I used to be in the studio with Uncle Bourne at his house, and he used to go to the shows, and then we started coming outside to the shows with Uncle Bourne, hanging around Big Daddy Kane, seeing the show from the side like a little kid. And then he put me in the smooth operator video. I was the kid in the front with the blue North Carolina hat on. You don't see my face, but it's That was you? Wow. That's me. Wow, okay, you just blew my mind right there, because I know that video. That's me with the gray sweatshirt and the blue hat. Yo, that's crazy, that's you. Word. So, yeah, so, oh, it was Big Daddy Kane's birthday. And after the show in Nassau Coliseum, we went to uh, Dinah in Canarsie, and Kane was there at the head of the table, and it was a big, long table, and everybody was there, my cousins, my uncles and us, and then the uh, Kane's people and some other artists, and my uncle always had a camera, and then Kane was rhyming, and then somebody else rhymed, and then my uncle always would take me around Brooklyn to battle people. He was like an agitator of battles, like, geez, get in here, and I be going in because I used to go home and write my rhymes and study. And I couldn't wait for my uncle born to take me to Brooklyn to the projects, like all many projects with DJ Tracks from and stuff like that, to just match rhymes for people and see who's out there who's finding the battle. You know what I'm saying? Is that that's your uncle T Roy, right? No, Uncle Born True. Oh wow. Uncle T Roy was the one in Roosevelt. He's the youngest son. My father, Keith Omar Murray Senior. Bubba, I'm Baby Bubba, a.k.a. Keysmo. That's my nickname in Roosevelt, Keysmo, Baby Bubba. My father is a senior, the oldest, and my Uncle T-Roy, the original B-Boy, was the youngest son out of six boys. So I used to gravitate around them two, and in between, my other uncles taught me a lot of basketball and business and life and stuff like that and I had two aunts I got two aunts in Roosevelt for my grandmother Dolly May. I had two grandmothers, Dolly May and Buddha. They're eighty four years old. Oh wow. Wow, that's long ago. Wow, wow. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, God God bless it. They're alive and they kicking I talk to them every day and my kids know them and and they're the pillars of our family because my mother and father passed away. My father passed away when I was in eighth grade, and my mother passed away when I was 19 before I came out with my first record, the most beautiful thing in the world when I turned 20. 
And I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Murray. Yeah, I appreciate you. Appreciate it. So Uncle Bo was like, Keith, go ahead, get up in there. So I had the tiger hat on, and I was just spitting rhymes, spitting rhymes. And Kane was like, how old are you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you were 16? Holy shit. Word. I, and then I went to a party that Fly Ty had in Queens for the Juice Crew. And Uncle Bourne had me up in the room. And he was like, they was rhyming. G-Rap was rhyming. Men at work. Men at work. And then Kingdom was rhyming. And Pizza was there. And then Uncle Bourne was like, Keith, go ahead, Keith. He was always edging me on. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Keith. So I started spitting. Blah, blah, blah. I seen Cool V do an interview about that. And then Cool V was like, well, he's spitting. They was like, nah. And it wasn't like, nah. Bitch was like, sign them. And then fly tired of them. I was just so young and they were just moving so fast that they didn't have time for the little kid that was spitting. You know what I'm saying? Because I used to emulate my style after tragedy, Gaddafi, too. Oh, Intelligent Hoodlum. Yes, sir. I know him. Intelligent Hoodlum. That's my man to this day, but he was like my age and he was a young kid doing it with Molly Maul, who I do music with now. And I was by the radio in Long Island listening to Red Alert play the record. And I was the kid writing the rhymes, listening, knowing every hip-hop record that ever came on the radio word for word when Mr. Magic and Red Alert came on. Um, is it true when you were a kid that you heard EPMD's It's My Thin and you lost your mind? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I love hearing that story about you. What happened was, I got goosebumps just now. See, what happened was, the first two records I ever bought was Run DMC, Tougher Than Leather, where they had the uh, the puffy leather coats on. Yes, I remember those. Dougie, yeah, Tougher Than Leather. And then, um... Dougie Fresh. Uh, Dougie Fresh, and, huh? Dougie Fresh. You heard this story? Mr. Murray, I've been a fan of you for a very long time. <laughs> wow, it was Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick the show. I went to Freeport Mall, I bought the cassette from Run DMC, and I bought the vinyl. For Dougie Fresh. Show. And that's all I used to play was that cassette and that vinyl. But my Uncle T Roy had vinyl cassettes of Grandmaster Flash and the Fury 5, I always used to play. And his friend Dave came over and was like, yo, let me hold that tape. And I gave him the tape, and Uncle T Roy came home and was like, where's my tape at? I said, Dave asked me to borrow it. I listened to him. Yo, that nigga went crazy. Like, crazy. Don't you ever give nobody a tape out of this house. And it wasn't yours. That's how I knew hip-hop was so sacred. I was a little kid. I was sitting there looking at him shook. Like, oh, yeah. I would, too. What did I just do? I felt so bad I gave that tape away, yo. But, but. Yeah. it. back to your but it also, but it, but it also showed you too that hip hop is such a sacred thing, though. Word, because I asked my uncle T Roy, I said, "Yo," because the first record I really heard was King Cut the Third and the Fatback Band. Oh wow! We strong as a house, we tall as a tree. We can rock you so viciously with the bass in your face, the highs in your eyes. <laughs> we can rock you so mesmerized. I was like, "Yo, uncle." How do they do that? He was like, he told me, he said, yo, grab a pen and write <laughs> it down. 
read it back to yourself and see how it sounds. It might sound like I'm just an MC, but I'm not. I'm a prince of poetry. And he said, write that out and remember it. I wrote it out and remembered it. Then I started remembering the rhymes, and ever since then, I just kept going, going with it, writing all the songs out. Then I was in school, because I'm a big student in school, and I was in English class, in history class, and the words in the English class would just keep coming at me, the vocabulary. And then I heard Cool Keith, Ultra Magnetic. Cool. I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck? <laughs> this, this is crazy. I was like, Yo, then I was in Roosevelt, to get back to the EP&D question. Yes. I was listening to the radio, it was like in the afternoon, like evening. And then I heard Eric Sherman say, I stay on track like a Long Island chinkachaka. I said, a Long Island trick on track like a Long Island chinkachaka. That was the first time I ever heard a metaphor. I was like, oh, shit. That pertained to me. Because I remember I took the train and the Long Island Railroad. My mother and father used to take me to Roosevelt in Brooklyn. I was like, oh, shit, this is crazy. I can put what I see in my mind on paper to the music. Yo, to the beat. And it's a paint on the radio. I was, I was like, oh, shit. And every list, there, he was like, stay on track. Like I Long Island, check out, check out. I didn't know what he was saying, but I heard Long Island. And I had to figure out what was he saying. He said, train conductor. He was like, check out, check Because you told me you had a speech, you got a speech impediment like Eric Sherman, a list. Yes, sir. And Coogee Rap got a list. So I was learning language, how to flip the tongue. Three-syllable, four-syllable words, science. And then I started dealing with the Father Sent Nation from Uncle Born True. That was Bobby Garland from Big Daddy Kane. So I was putting in the music with the Nation of Islam. Then I heard Public Enemy. They was from Roosevelt. I used to be in Centennial Park. I was like in, I was in eighth grade. I didn't really know how to play seventh grade. I didn't know how to play basketball. So I used to stand at the foul line all day with the sun beaming on my forehead. And I used to hear, well, yeah, yeah, the rhythm, the rebel, the 98 cops, they had the 98 Cadillac cars. I was a little nigga, they was bending corners. And it was all exciting. I was like, holy shit, yo, this is what I'm going to do. And look what you've done in the long run, Mr. Murray. You have gold and platinum albums. Not that much artists can ever say that. By the grace of God. I'm here on the wing in the prayer. Through Eric Sermon, he uh, figured out how to make me chop my lyrics up and put me on the right smooth uh, rhythms with the vocabulary. And then it just took off. And then he did a video for um, Puff Daddy called, um, um, what he, oh no, Puff Daddy produced the video Hitting Switches. Yo, Eric Sermon in Manhattan. Yo, Puff Dad? And Puff did that? Holy shit, I didn't know that. Puff did that. Word. And I went there. I had a leather jacket on and I had got some weed. <laughs> and Biggie Smalls was there. Oh. I didn't really know Biggie Smalls, but I seen him with the video with Super Cat. Yes. And um, bling, bling, who's that? <laughs> Classic. And then Biggie was like, yo. Then Biggie was like, yo, who got some weed? <laughs> I was like, well, I bought some weed and you just chipping some money off of <laughs> And then we got cool like that. 
And then we start smoking together and talking. And then I was rapping with Eric. And then Puffy started hearing me. And then me and Biggie, Biggie started hearing me. And then me and Biggie exchanged a beeper number. Oh, shit. I remember those. That was crazy. We had to beep it. We started seeing each other. Then I beat them. And then I was coming from uptown Brooklyn, uptown Manhattan, leading up. Going to get cocaine with my friend Axe and Horse in the car, buying cocaine and cutting through Brooklyn. Then I stopped in Brooklyn and get out at the corner of Brooklyn. And Biggie would be on the corner. I get at the back of the car. And Biggie would be like, Oh, what's this pleasant surprise that I'm getting today? Mr. Mary coming to see me. Because then around that time, I had hostile. I was, my name was buzzing because I, I was doing the hostile. I didn't do hostile yet. But I was rapping, and they saw my style, and I was with E, and I was around, and then we connected to the smoke and the music. Then we became friends, and then we was on the road together. You know, that was a crazy time. Can you um, remember, because I understand that the very first time you went on tour, you followed EPMD's bus in your little car behind it, right? Yo, yeah, that's a crazy story. Yo, you think geek. Yo, I'm a fan, Mr. Murray. I'm not going to front. I've been paying attention to you since Suicide prevention song, Mr. Murray. I just want to let you know, like, that shit touched my heart. I'm not gonna lie. That shit. You heard it? Oh, of course I heard it. We didn't really put it out yet. We just teased it. And this month, right now, is Suicide Prevention Month. Yes. So we want to gear up and get with some suicide prevention and stop bullying programs and put the song and the video out and proceed and give some of the proceeds from the people who support and who know of that situation of suicide to the company so to get the word out so we can prevent people from stopping to kill themselves from the pressures of the world. And and just to bring back what I was saying before too, um, I was trying so hard to find my call in life. Like I tried everything from being a photographer and from being to a rapper. It wasn't until I'd done my very first interview that I know that I had something. But once I interviewed MC Shan... Master Ace, Razcast twice. Yeah, that let me know. Yeah, 
Yes, sir. He just hit my phone the way you did, too. It fucked me right up. Yo, I was. Listen, listen. You could not tell me that I was not MC Shan. I knew. And when I was a kid, I knew every word to MC Shan records, the movements, the articulation. You couldn't tell me I wasn't MC Shan. You couldn't <laughs> tell me I wasn't LL Cool J. I was them. If they had to do a biography on them, I could have played that as a kid. That's facts. Oh, no. I could see definitely playing MC Shan. Played L O Cool J. Because they had similar styles with the Kangos, with the sweatsuits. Oh, right. That was me. That was me. I lived vicariously through them. They made me who I am. I took myself from them, L O Cool J, MC Shan, the educated rapper from UTFO, Cool Key from Ultra Magnetic. Big Daddy Kane, G-Rap, NWA, BMD, all of that came from that, my style, except to be that. And the Stevie Wonder and the Bob Marley's and the, you know what I'm saying? You bet Stevie right Wonder. Then. Like, how much people could fucking say that and Stevie Wonder knows who they are? You know how much people wish they could say that? Well, it's a blessing. <laughs> I have to always make sure that people know that because it's inspiration for me and I inspire people. So vicariously, we live through each other. I was going away. I was at the airport and I was taking, picking up my daughter and I bumped the door. He was like, Keith? I know Keith. Keith. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I got to go home and fucking make the... I can, right after this interview, I'm about to go focus and get my shit together. You know, uh, Mr. Murray, my favorite verse from you of all time is track 14, No Guest List. That's my shit right there. Oh, for real? That's my shit. Yes, sir. Yo, I got it right in my hand, yo. That's my shit right there, yo. I stole that from my uncle. How it go? You stole it from your uncle? Yeah, he's probably going to kick my ass now because he realized what happened. But yeah, sorry, Uncle Kelly. I got your Death Squad album. Shit's fine. Uh, you see how uncles are so influential in hip-hop? Yes. Yes, sir. Uncles are so influential in hip-hop. Because I won't front. If I pro if I never would have took that album once I heard full co cooperation, I probably would have been mad late on to you, too, because I took that album from him in 2002. No, 2001. For real? Yeah, because I was in junior high That's at the, the time. time. 2001 is the time I came out of Jail for doing three years incarceration. I did a year in the box, and I did three years for assault in the first degree, 2001. You were still in high school at the time, right? I mean, so you were in college at the time, right? 2001? Yes. No, I was coming off of a three, 36 month year dead in jail. Okay. In 2001. I did 23 hours in a cell. In Big Cheshire, in Connecticut. I can't imagine that, Mr. Mayor. I won't front. I can't imagine that. You missed that part about me. I was in jail for three years. But, but, but the way that album had the impact it did, you would never would have thought you were well, in jail. I, when, I, when I did the jail, I, I left John and I went to Death Jam when I came out of jail for three years. Oh. That, I, that I, didn't, I didn't do, and I... I went to trial and I plead my innocence and the victim said he didn't see Chief Murray at the scene of the crime and the judge said the witnesses 
didn't see Keith Murray, and but the jury found him guilty, so I have to give him five years. Damn. I did three. He took two years off because he didn't see me at the scene of the crime. But the DA said, I can't convict people that I don't know who did the crime if Keith Murray don't tell who did it. So I didn't tell, and then I did three years. I'm glad he cut it down, though, because... They said, they said I came in a, li a limo. I came in a van. Did you? The dude who got hurt said he didn't see me there. And I was I, I didn't get exonerated, but to this day I didn't do it. But I ate that because I was the ringleader of a crew for LOD, and we was out wilding a game like kind of three bloods and crips and Latin kings, and we was out wilding it. And, and karma came back on me, and I, I, I bared that torch. 23 hours. I went to jail. The judge signed me in for solitary confinement. I had to sign myself out of the box to go into population for a year. Jeez. We went to the gym like once or twice a week. Took showers like every other day. Was in a cell with with the, the toilet right there and the TV right there for a year. Looking out the window, all I saw was a deer and a tree. Damn. See, I can't imagine that, Mr. Well, Murray, but like, but to... That's when I came out with the album Enigma. But right before Enigma came out, I went in. I was sitting in court by myself, convicted for something I didn't do because of the life I led and the people I was around and I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Say I put people in jail. That was crazy. And I thought the justice system would reward me, but they failed me. But shit I did, I went to trial and I got away with it. So karma got me for that too. Because in Nassau, I did some shit. I went to trial and I got away with it. Yes. Somebody got hurt and cut and cut up for reasons and shit. But then shit I didn't do, I went to jail for. Karma. Shit, I remember when somebody tried to do a buck fifty on my face, you know, oh shit, he's not fucking standing and when he tried that. What? Yeah, I was on the corner in the middle of the block. Guy came up to me, he's like, yo, you don't belong here. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And as soon as when he swung, I fucking did like the Matrix shit. And I was like... And I won't say what I did after that. I don't want to incriminate myself. Yeah, the, ju it's, the justice system is tricky. Well, in Canada, it's even yeah. more... In Canada, it's, it's, it's not as bad I as United trial. States. I had a whole white trial. Oh, I damn. Think I think a, 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 a lie detector test. They denied it. Everything. They denied you the lie detector wow. test? That's fucked. Yep. That is fucked. It don't, it, it don't stand commonwealth state. It don't stand up in the state of law. I said I didn't do it. Well, yeah. Because, like, the only thing you have is your word and your balls. My word and my balls. And I'm going to give them up for nobody. That's a fact, Mr. Murray. That's a big fact. <laughs> word. You know, Mr. I always knew you were a real one from the jump. I'm not a liar and I don't steal from people. <laughs> you know... Um, I don't fabricate the truth. I have integrity, and I'm on the forefront of hip hop to further the culture. And that's what it's all about. Because I'm gonna be upfront with you, Mr. Murray. When I was playing Def Jam Vendetta as a preteen, 
Yo, nobody could fuck with me when I was you. Nobody. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Because I still, um, <clears throat> I just show my kids. I got four girls. Okay. I have to go get that video game. I was actually in a video game. Yes, sir, you were. Nobody could fuck with me when Yo, I was what, Keith Murray. What council was that? PS4 and GameCube. I mean, sorry, uh, sorry, PS2, I PS2. Got, send me the information. I got to get that game and show my kids that because I don't have it. I had them and I gave it to my nephews and everything and then they, they, I don't have them anymore. I need that. I'm glad you brought that up. I need to show my kids that and my fans and the kids in the community and the kids that risk that I, you can come from somewhere and do something. At first, I was in the room. I didn't like it. Yeah. Me, I was down trying because I was like, I don't look like me. And, you know, I was <laughs> But it's me in the long run. Yeah, that's me in the video game. I need that information for the world to see. I have it. Kid. I have it. Like, literally, like, all in my cupboard. So once we get off the phone, I'll send you everything through the text message, Mr. Mary. That's crazy. No, that, no this is... You a unique individual because you go into depth of the artist. Really? Yeah. I'm and just... The fans can be awakened for those who know and those who don't know, and then we can continue the legacy. But that's what hip-hop should be about, though, is informing the people about your accomplishments. Exactly. Like like I said, Mr. Murray, I was born in the wrong era. I should have been born in 81, because me born in 91, man, some of these kids, yo, I don't relate to them. I don't. Like, I should have been born in 81. But you was born when you was born, and now you have to do your work and bridge the gap. That's what I do. I bridge the gap, so everything's a potential melting pot. You know, Tech from Smith & Western told me the exact same thing you just said, bridge the gap. Yeah, that's one of my best friends. You know, General Steele also appeared on the show, too? Tech & Steele, those are one of my, two of my best friends. Those are the most humblest legends I've ever talked to. Yeah, we came up together. They got a new album, too. Shout out to the new album. Oh, I bought that on vinyl and CD. The All. Huh? The All. The All, yeah. I bought that on vinyl and CD. My new album is called The the Most Ugliest Thing in This World, produced by Eric Sermon. Oh, so it's not the so so was it originally titled The Beauty of It All? No. Okay. That was a while back. Yes. Now me and Eric Sermon is sitting together now tweaking the most ugliest thing in this world to come out soon so we can put out new music and let people see what we're doing in here and what's going on. Would that be on Death Squad's uh streaming or would that be on all the streaming sites, Mr. Murray? Well, you know, we have to do our due diligence yes. to have a spider web effect over a fixed transformation of time so that we can continue the legacy and that it still grow. Because you have to do your work. You eat what you kill now. Now mm, I like that. And as fast as you can get it together, you get it together. But you eat what you kill, baby. Independent. That's a fact. What made you want to name it the ugliest thing of it all? Eric Sermon did. 
No way. They was like, yo, do the most beautifulest part two. Do the most beautiful part two. You can't do the most beautiful part two. Yeah, you can. You gotta do the most ugliest, because it's ugly out here. Oh. And then we could probably revisit that um, idea. Yo, that's just talk about a wide range of, of things, a wide range of thought-provoking things, speech, and vocabulary, and sounds, and ideas, and message so it can go to a great body of work to continue the legacy and the synergy that the Death Squad had. You know what I'm saying? Is it really true? Is it going to be an Aldino part two? Well, I just talked to Redman on the text yesterday and I talked to Eric Sherman two days ago and it's up in the air and we're trying to figure out how we can put our posts on it because remember... Death Squad is a band of brothers, yes. solo artists that mesh together to come together. We know each other's families, a super group, and things of that nature, and we're solo artists. And Death Jam had put us together because of the album that they did for that album was called what in the beginning. The album was called uh, the sh- uh, Check Me Out. It was rap when every, all the groups did all the songs and we emulated the record and we did Rapid Delight and that came from that. So Death Jam actually do an album. We never was going to do a Death Squad album because we're all over the place. It just meshed together by the grace of God and became one. We never said, yo, Death Squad is going to be a crew with one album and do multiple albums. The solo groups of band of brothers. A band of brothers. But I bet that what makes the most timeless music is when a band of brothers that are established artists come together for a super group like that. Because I'm going to tell you one thing, though. I played uh, full cooperation at some wedding. Yo, that wedding fucking went off. I ain't going to front. What? When I played Checking Me Out for a wedding, yo, that whole wedding went up crazy, like fucking <laughs> celebrating. There, there was people on the table. There was, pe- there was crazy, yo. I really wish I had that on video. Checking me out when I stepped in, rocking the electric velvet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit. Having fun. Having fun, right? Yeah, sir. Oh, they were getting lit. I ain't gonna front. They were getting lit to that at the wedding. Yeah, but it's one thing to have fun, be serious, and business. Yes. Freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, and make money through capitalist games. And we all can live together <coughs> and coexist, or we can all happily kill each other. <laughs> Yo, I love your energy, Mr. Murray. I even, even before I even had contact with you, I when I listened to your music, I always knew that you were the exact same person outside of the music. Yeah, because my name is Keith Omar Murray. Junior, the black James Bond, the most eligible bachelor in the world, <laughs> but I respect all of the children, and I will run circles around you and hand you your ass. <laughs> the um, most interesting Negro in the universe. <laughs> um, so I have to ask Mr. Murray too, because you are the very first uh, platinum artist to ever appear on the show. What was the feeling like when you first got your gold album? What was that feeling like when somebody came and told you, yo, Keith? You know, you went gold, right? Yo, that's crazy. I'm going to tell you a story that nobody has ever known. So, 
Got to rest. We on the road. The most beautiful thing in this world is rocking. <laughs> then you got, I came to bring the pain. All cause the brain. That's what's on my astral plane. You got, juicy. Y'all, shout out to the people who was uh, helping me when I was just trying to feed my kids. Big, juicy. Jesus Christ, Barry White? Holy fuck! I said, yo, Barry, <laughs> mind you, we doing, I'm doing all this promotion, I'm picking up the album, everybody's surpassing me, and Biggie was like, yo, Murray, your album is at a standstill. Remember, I'm on the plane with Puffy, yes. playing, we doing remixes, we going, we moving. Murray, you're the only one who's records that are where people was like, yo, money is being stuck under the table. What's going on? So, I'm in the elevator. Barry Weiss is in the elevator. I said, yo, Barry, what's up? What's going on? How you doing? He said, oh, how you doing, Keith? I said, yo, my album is at a standstill. Everybody is going platinum. I'm gold. And I punched the wall in the elevator right by his ear. <laughs> <laughs> Distant relatives. So, distant relatives, yes. So, I'm in Central Park. And I'm with my man, Pac. He's from Pakistan. The desert nigga. He's my business <laughs> partner. So, we in the back. The, the, the Jamaican flags is flying. Nas is rocking. Game and rocking. And Pac's like, yo, Murray, where you got me at? This is crazy. I'm like, yeah. Hi. <laughs> We walk in, we see who? Barry White. Barry White says, oh shit, Barry White, how you doing? Nas is standing there. Yeah. The concert is done. The concert is over. We in the back, cooling down. (laughs) Jungle there, Nas there, we chilling. So Barry White says, I was like, hey, how you doing? I didn't remember, I left that camp. 
and I would, I left jive, and I went to just care. So we stand in there, we chill, we talking like, oh, it was a great show, you know, it was a wonderful show. You know, I, I'm not trying to ruffle no feathers. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, just having a good time, just seeing, letting Nas cool down. And then Barry White goes, Murray, remember you trapped me in the elevator and you punched me all behind my ear? <laughs> and you tried to beat me up? I said, oh shit, now you beating me up. <laughs> he's a fucking billionaire, millionaire white guy. He's like, yo, he, yeah, he, he, I, he's like, we laughing, we smiling, it's all tears. Remember you hit brought the situation up when I was a little kid, volatile, I punch it. And I said, yeah, now you beating me up. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I said, yo. So, you know, and then I, this is when I was uh, getting my footing back right. Yes. Def Jam, I had the situation with Def Jam, and it wasn't going well. And then I nullified them. And I said, you got a business card? He said, I don't try a business card. I only got business cards when I go to Japan. Call me. <laughs> 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 had a good time. Nas went cool down. Me and Pac, my man, we left. Daddy, uh, it was a good night. And it was just nice and slept. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad. That's crazy how you remember that after all these years. Be- because, like, that's crazy how he remembered that, that after a classic all- moment right there. That was. Nobody ever knew. And Nas was looking like, word, that happened? <laughs> 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 and to this day, I still got a black cloud over my head. So the moral of the story is, please, Keith Murray is not going to do nothing to anybody or hurt nobody. I am an asset. I am not a liability. Corporate America, let me in and let me be the next billionaire, please. Congratulations on Ozzy's billions, his rise to his race to his billions with Master Pill and Barry Weiss in the business world. And I'm a very approachable, cordial guy. The most beautiful thing in the world album. Most ugly is coming now. <laughs> and for the P- Shameless plug. And for the U.S. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> and, and for the U.S. government, if you're listening, Keith Murray's a citizen to society. So let him fucking come to Canada. Oh, your boy, wait. The Barry White thing and the business thing and the black cloud. I'm a very approachable guy and I love everybody and come out to the shows and support my brand through the internet. It's what's very important, the internet. And yes, please, let Keith Murray in Canada. They will not let me in Canada. I know they won't. I know they won't. We are, we are, have the most fucked up laws out here. It is fucked. But let we, but, but, but yet. Yo, you fucked up my Barry White's Death Jam story. But Canada is another thing. Oh my God. Oh, Canada. You gotta come to Canada, Mr. Murray. We have the best weed out here. I love you, Canada. But please, let Keith Murray in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and when you do get here, I'll have the loud on deck for you. No charge. Yo, they got black um, squirrels in Canada. Yo, actually, there's like five in my backyard right now. I'm looking at them right now. Yo, they got black squirrels in Canada. Is that like something unique? Hey, Igor. I'm doing a radio interview. 
Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Really? Yeah, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to Mr. Murray. Squirrels in USA. Because <laughs> I never been, I I never been to the USA. Never. Never. Never ever ever. gonna say that's the name of the show yo that is crazy don't I still can't that. believe don't, that don't, yo don't let that nobody know that we're gonna make t-shirts <laughs> do not yo don't hear this interview yet no I'll cut that part out I'll cut the black squirrel part out <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that paper right Uh, network? Yeah, that shit. <laughs> yeah. The Low and Keith Murray show, Black Squirrels. Yeah, I got a brain fart. It's so funny, I got a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, I want to do radio. See, this is another side of me. I'm a Gemini and I want to do radio. Oh, you're a Gemini. You to do radio. Wow, you're like my dad. My dad's a Gemini before I lost him. Huh? I said, you're like my dad. My dad's a Gemini before I lost him. Oh, no, he's not dead. He just he just hooked on drugs. Oh, you said you lost him. Yeah, but he's hooked on drugs, so I I don't get to see him. Like he, he Oh, you sound somber when you say it. You lost him. And in New York, we say we lost somebody. It means he died. Oh, really? Yeah, no, the slang up here, yeah, it's totally different. Oh, yeah, the, the language barrier. See, another thing is language barrier to music. Yes. Music. Japan? Holy fuck. Yeah, they didn't know no English, but they knew every word to the song. That's why hip-hop is a universal language, I always tell people. Yo, and hip-hop is everything. Hip-hop took me all over the world. I would have never went to Japan if it wasn't for hip-hop. <laughs> 
We never would have got all this classic music from you too if hip hop didn't exist. Huh? I said we would uh, wouldn't have gotten all this classic music from you if hip hop didn't exist. It's a beautiful thing. That's crazy. Um, so, Mr. Murray, I won't take about much of your time, too. This is the question I ask all my... What is this, a podcast? Yeah, well, we'll be on iHeartMedia, too. This is an hour show. All, all my interviews are 45 minutes to an hour, Mr. Murray. I won't lie. How long we been on air? Hour and two minutes. I heard you moving around. Um, but like I said, I won't take up much of your time, Mr. Murray. This is a question that I ask a lot of my guests. And the reason why I ask this question is your words can literally save someone. So with that being said, do you have any words for somebody in a dark place that's trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yes. When I was incarcerated, I got a letter from a female that said that she was going to commit suicide. But when the most beautiful thing in this world video came on, she didn't commit suicide. I can't find that letter nowhere. She said, yo, I was going to end it all. But when your video and your song came on, Keith Murray, I did not kill myself. Yo, that shit took me for a loop. Damn. But that's how and I realize how powerful music is. Yeah. But I just don't have the support system around me and the energy to prevent it on a day-to-day basis. I have to get with the organization. Anybody who's out there listening can point me in the right direction and I can know how to use so much of my time to, you know what I'm saying, dedicate. I can help, but damn, that's crazy. Somebody actually told me that. And my darkest hour, her darkest hour, she didn't kill herself through a letter and music. That's why I love hip-hop, because it saves people's lives. It was the title of the song. Yeah. Oh, it was the title. Wow. Because she realized that life is the most beautiful thing in this world. You know, that's... You know, Crooked Eye said that, and he's my idol. Crooked Eye's my idol. You know, he said that's the most... one of my friends. One of my good friends. You know, he... Me and Cannabis did an album and he was on it. You know, um, Crooked Eye was the person who showed me dreams come true. Uh Because he told... Because he said something in the Sway interview that the most beautiful thing in this world is the greatest hip-hop record ever. And I truly believe that. He said that? Yeah, he said that right beside you. Wait, Crooked Eye said the most beautiful thing in this world is the best hip-hop record ever? One of the greatest. And he said that right beside you oh, on the swing. One sw- of the greatest. Yeah, one of the greatest. Oh, he said that? I forgot. I didn't know that. It's documented, Mr. Murray. It's actually on the Sway uh, Universe interview that y'all did together. Send me that link. I gotta see that. I will. I'll send you a bunch of links to the Death Squad album, that that video game, and that, Mr. Mary. Okay. But, but, 
But before I let you go, Mr. Murray, is there anything that you want to plug in before I let you go? Once again, I really do thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this because you... Man, I still can't believe this is happening. Thank you, Mr. Murray. Yeah, you never know what happens until you talk to a person. I bet you weren't expecting these questions either. <laughs> yeah, it was a good mood, a good place. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you do interviews, you have to say, okay, it's press day. Now yeah. You go into this office, you sit there, and you go through all your press, and you talk to all your people to push your brand. This is vicarious. Uh, we meshed good, and it was great. We meshed. That's what I love. That's why some things don't happen. But I don't know how far this will go. Maybe I can use it. You can use it. And somebody can, it can help somebody. Because it helped me. Tell you what, did Mr. Mary Chair help me? Is there anything? Well, maybe we should cut that part out. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Whatever you want, cut out. I'll cut right out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want, cut out. I'll cut right out. I got mad. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real one on the phone for the listeners listening. You, you don't get more authentic than this. Most people, when they reach Mr. Murray's stardom, they'll be so fucking Hollywood. Mr. Murray is one of a kind. Yeah, but if, if you didn't catch me at the time, I walked from the house to the store, I got in the quiet place by the store, you probably wouldn't have got this type of energy. <laughs> I was in the house, it would have been different. Time, energy, and space is very important too. So get out and get some fresh air, people. Keith Murray, the most ugliest thing in this world, coming at you soon. Peace. That being said, it's another classic interview from the very first Golden Platinum artist to ever appear on the show. The one and only Keith Murray. Yeah, stretch your legs, ride the bike, you know? <laughs> it's nice to be nice.